Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and today we're talking about naturopathic medicine. Our guest is a naturopathic doctor and licensed midwife who specializes in whole person medicine for women and children. She has supported hundreds of families in their journey to parenthood, and although she no longer attends birth, she continues to offer adjunct holistic prenatal and postpartum care for women under the care of another midwife or obstetrician, and head to toe holistic health care, including fertility support, gynecology, thyroid health, digestive issues, allergies, and mood support. Dr. Molly Jerko, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I've been trying to have you forever. It's been a long <laughs> journey to get here. Yeah, it's hard to line up our schedules. <laughs> Busy people, yes. Um, I don't really know that much about naturopathy. And um, I just know that when our patients come see you, they come back very happy, singing your praises, and they look better. And I'm like, hmm. I should go see a naturopath. <laughs> so I want to learn more about naturopathic medicine, starting with you and your background and how you got to where you are today. Where are you from originally? I'm from Iowa originally. Oh, which part of Iowa? Dubuque. Wow. You know, I grew up in New York where we have four seasons. Uh-huh. Same in Iowa. <laughs> you have four seasons in Iowa? Yeah. Because when I moved to Nebraska for a year, we only had two seasons. Really? That's what they told me when we got there. That, oh, what you, year was that? <laughs> that was not that long ago. But, but the guy said, we only have two seasons. And I said, what are they? And he said, winter and the 4th of July. And then it's oh. winter again. Okay. Well, in Iowa, a neighboring state to Nebraska, mm -hmm. we have four seasons. You do? But, but they're I'm on the, all the way on the other side of well, Iowa. Maybe. From, it was really cold for a long time. Illinois, Wisconsin. Ah. Yeah. But it does get very cold. It has to. It gets very cold. Area. Or it used to. I haven't lived there all right, in you know, 18 are years. Up. But you know, things are changing. That's why I asked, what, what year was that? <laughs> because things might have changed. That's true. Um, yeah. And so when did you know you wanted to get involved in healthcare? Great question. I, at 18, received a book, Ina May Gaskin's first book. What? Spiritual, when you were 18? When I was 18. At Spiritual Midwifery? Evergreen, Evergreen State College, where I did my undergraduate. And one of my roommates passed me this book for spring break. I devoured that book and all the birth stories. And in the back, there's all the how-to midwifery details. Yeah. And I just knew. I switched from... From reading her book? From reading her book, what yes. were, Switched from what? What were you doing? I was doing environmental science. Okay. And so by spring quarter, I went back and luckily was in a very open-minded school and program where I could do some midwifery studies in my spring quarter of my first year of college and then switched gears and did, for the rest of my undergrad was all pre-med stuff. So, so your undergrad school had a pre-med program... Mm -hmm. But they also had classes in midwifery? Well, I went to a really cool school where it was interdisciplinary studies. So okay. uh, we took programs. So we were in a program for a whole year. And in the fall quarter, we all took the same credits. And then in winter quarter, it would open up four credits where you could either take a different class. In the evening, you could do a Spanish class or, you know, dance or art or something. Or you could do an independent study. And then by spring, half of your credits were independent study or other classes. So um, in that spring quarter, for that half of my credits, I was able to really focus on women's health and start to do my doula training and stuff like that. Wow. So doula was your stepping stone Yes. Like the just get your toes wet? Exactly. Sure so you really like it? at 19, I took my doula training wow. course at the Seattle Midwifery School, which uh, was the oldest non-nurse midwifery school in the country. And, and you yeah, were the youngest probably doula in the country. I was so <laughs> young and starry-eyed and intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, How old were but, you when you went to your first birth? Uh, 21. Wow. Yeah, one of my best friends at the time I was oh, at you went birth. with a buddy. 
It was her birth. <laughs> she yeah, was giving you birth. went to your friend's birth. It's, <laughs> totally. It's, I don't know. Is it more nerve-wracking or less nerve-wracking? You know, I don't think I knew enough to even have nerves, nerves? about it. Really? I was just so excited to be there. And there was a, a complication that required a transport. But Oh, she was doing didn't, a home birth. Yeah, so she did a home birth with some midwives. And, yeah, it was beautiful. And even with the complication, I just knew. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Mm. But I had a very wise midwife uh, that I worked with who could see the stars in my eyes and kind of help bring me down to earth and mm. go, you know, you might want to do study something other than just midwifery because she had a uh, 18-month-old that she was nursing and she was taking a break from birth. And she's like, you know, if you want to have kids or if you just get tired from being on call and going to birth, you may want to have something else that you can do to support yourself. That's, so yeah, that was ahead. really good heads up for me because, um, yeah, that time did come in my career. And I was really glad that I didn't have to go back to school at that point. Okay. So, but by the end of, when did you start studying that something else? So I, an undergrad, I knew I wanted to be a midwife. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll be an OBGYN so I could work around the world and have the flexibility of that. And I explored that option. And I knew about naturopathic medicine. And then I took a break after undergrad, finishing, kind of setting myself up so I could become an MD or an ND. And then I thought, well, maybe I want to become a nurse midwife and work in the hospital. But ultimately, I kept coming back to home birth. That was really where my heart was. Mm. And the naturopathic program in Seattle at Bastyr University, where I went, they had a dual program where you could do naturopathic medicine and midwifery. So I could attend births as a midwife and I could be a family practice naturopathic doctor. And so that ultimately is what I came to because I wanted to have more than just the midwifery training and be able to treat people outside of um, or work with people outside of just pregnancy because pregnant women have a lot of other things going on in their life. You know, the rest of their health doesn't just stop because they're pregnant. So to be able to oversee thyroid health and know a lot more about nutrition and digestion and things like that that you don't really get in midwifery school, it's pretty focused on the prenatal period and postpartum, immediate postpartum. Yeah. When you started doing doula work, did you train as a doula or did you do doula Well, work? I trained as a doula and funny story, I didn't have a car all through undergrad. So oh, I so was a bike commuter. Oh. <laughs> so so I never doula work I did never <laughs> worked as a doula except for my friend. Oh, there was no friend. Uber. Yeah. And then um, after my undergrad, I actually worked on a, a dairy and educational farm for a year and so I attended lots and lots of births of sheep and goats oh, and wow. cattle. On a farm like that, I'm just curious, are they assisted in their birthing? Good question. Sometimes. A lot of them happened at night. And, you know, that nature is very smart. It's quiet. It's safe. It's dark. And a lot of the animals, if they're out at, in the pasture, would try to go into the bushes and, you know, away from the group to give birth. So so they, they're around other animals of the same species. Mm-hmm. But they go away from them. Mm -hmm. There was one, this really strong cow, and she got herself into the middle of this bramble bush, and that's where she gave birth. And yeah, that that's really was. interesting. Just in in terms of how we do it, we usually surround ourselves with people, but they go away from. Yeah, I think you know what I saw as a midwife was a lot of times women. They want that support. Sometimes they need their own space, but they want to know that they're not alone, mm -hmm. even if somebody's not there talking to them or engaging with them, that there's just that knowing that I'm not alone here. If I need something, people are here. 
Maybe it's the same for animals. They don't want to be, you know, they just kind of know, okay, I know you guys are all over there (laughs) chewing your cud. (laughs) I'm over here doing my thing, birthing my baby. I'll just move if I need you. (laughs) That's right, exactly. (laughs) Uh, uh, But they're not constantly reminding her to drink and uh, things like that. She just But they do the same thing. They lay down, they stand up, they lay on their side, they put their head up in the air they you know they're just they moan they they do it all do they the same have a, stuff a as... playlist <laughs> no. mm. not that i Nothing? heard okay but... <laughs> heard i see what you did there see? Uh-huh. but um so at what point would they would people assist the animals in their delivery so this farm was in new york so the cows that were giving birth in the winter the cattle would be in the um in the barns just because it was so cold outside mm-hmm. and snow and frozen and all of that. So when they were in the barn, then we would be going in and checking on them, knowing that they were going to be getting close. And sometimes they did need assistance to help. Yeah. I um, met this doctor who also, he's close to retirement now, but he said he spent time on farms with animals and would often be involved in the delivery of their babies. And he just said he learned so much. He's so gentle and calm and he said he learned a lot by watching animals give birth. And we had a, a patient who uh, had a breech baby. Her first baby was breech. And she tried all sorts of things to get the baby to turn, wouldn't turn it. And then she decided, I'm not delivering this baby by cesarean birth because she had delivered so many, she'd delivered or watched the delivery of so many babies, um, sheep, that came out breech. And she's like, these are the breach, these are the not breach, and sometimes they have twins and one's breach and one's not breach. She's like, they just do it, and they don't even have help. Like, I'm not, if if everything else looks okay, I want a chance to deliver my baby. But um, she was in a medical system that doesn't have delivery options for breach babies other than cesarean. So in her case, she labored at home until she was pretty much ready to push and went into the hospital and insisted that she won't have a cesarean birth. And so they kind of had a scramble to figure out what to do with her. And she delivered, you know, fairly smoothly. But um, it was her experience on the farm that made her feel like the confidence, like this is not something that's wrong. It's just different than what you're used to. Yeah. And I just wonder, as a midwife who's attended so many births, if being on that farm for that year kind of gave you a different type of education than, than we normally get. Yeah, seeing birth after birth happen. Just it's happening, whether you're there or you're not, that birth happens. And so that was, it was really affirming to see all of that and just witness that it, birth works. Just wake up Most in the morning the and there's babies. Yeah, there's little goat kids and <laughs> <laughs> little sheep. So and start saving for college. <laughs> uh, so you talked about having really a lot of choices in front of you, um, whether to go the midwific route or to go the medical doctor, but still in the birthing world, the obstetrician route. Um, You chose more holistic than medical. Yes. When I really thought about it, the kind of healthcare that I choose for myself was not allopathic medicine. You know, there's a place for that, for sure. If I'm injured, fall off my bike, hopefully not. But then, of course, I'm going to go to the emergency room and you know, if I need surgery or something. But in my day-to-day lifestyle, that's not the care that I generally seek out for myself. So when I really thought about committing to eight years of my life to become an OBGYN in a system that isn't necessarily my primary system mm-hmm. of healthcare, I really had to do a lot of thinking and soul-searching to see, just because I could do that, is that really what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I decided that 
It wasn't what I wanted to do. Did you grow up in a family that was more holistic in your own healthcare? No. Not at all. Okay. So where did that come from? I've always been kind of the... um, The white sheep in the family? Yeah, (laughs) just straying. And, you know, I don't really know. I've always had a real strong love of nature, even though my parents, my family never was into camping or anything like that. But I I found my people where I grew up and had some beautiful natural places in Iowa that I spent time in and and then went to college in Washington State. And from there, things just really blossomed. That's where I was able to blossom more because there's just a lot more people who are into the natural world. There's the oldest um, non-nurse midwifery school there, mm-hmm. the naturopathic colleges. The oldest one was in Portland. So there's just a lot more of the natural medicine that I didn't even really know existed. But I read a book I guess books have been quite influential, mm-hmm. and maybe they were before the internet. <laughs> I guess. So um, Christine Northrup, her book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, I read that when I was 17, and I was just totally blown away by a lot of what she had to say of making the connections between the emotional and the physical as a woman and as a young budding woman about our menstrual cycles. And I'd never even thought about the menstrual cycle in relation to the moon and she really opened up my eyes to xenoestrogens, that whole concept of plastics and the, the hormones in them. And so that was a big that was a big book, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned a couple of times the oldest non-nurse midwifery school. We should probably explain a little bit more about what that means. Okay, yeah. So there's it's confusing to the public here because in the United States, unlike other countries like Canada, the UK, and New Zealand, there, a midwife is a midwife. There's only you know one, kind, one of kind of midwife. You're you're just a midwife, and you can generally practice in or out of the hospital. Here in the United States, it's state by state. So when I say non-nurse midwifery, generally that's referring to a licensed midwife. So a midwife who doesn't practice in the hospital attends home or birth center births. Some states have registered midwives instead of licensed midwives. <laughs> and then there's also lay midwives, just, <laughs> just to make it, make it a little more confusing. Yeah. So that's why there's a lot of different types of midwives. Um, and lay midwives generally don't have a license versus a, a licensed midwife has a, you know, a license with the medical board and then has to do continuing education and things like that. Lay midwives often serve like a religious community. So they're just different types of midwives, but all serving the same purpose, attending women you know, during their pregnancy. So, but to, there's sort of a distinction between nurse midwives and non-nurse midwives. So the nurse midwives train in the medical setting. Generally, yes. And become nurses mm-hmm. first and then specialize into nurse midwifery. Exactly. And most of them that do their training and attend their births in the hospital on labor and delivery floors. Some of them do in like a birth center associated with a hospital. Or here in Los Angeles, there's um, some nurse midwives who have an out of or a birth center not attached to a, a hospital. And so nurse midwives, I think, can go and train with them to get experience out of oh, the hospital. Oh, that's really cool. So they can train in both great. settings. Yeah. Um, and then if you're not a nurse midwife, then there's sort of a little potpourri of, of things you could be. Um, direct entry midwife, which you there still is a lot of didactic training and a lot of practical training, but the practical training is more uh, by apprenticeship. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. You, usually you're working one-on-one with a midwife or 
two midwives or group of midwives to really learn the art of midwifery. And mostly the birth uh, experiences at home or out of the hospital at a birthing center. Exactly, yes. Okay, and then there's a few different variations on that depending on which state you're in. And, mm-hmm. of, and of course, there's some states that don't have them at all. Exactly. It's either illegal or illegal. Illegal or illegal. Yeah, I mean, illegal no is like there's no it. law. <laughs> illegal is like it's flat out you can't illegal. Do it. And you will be arrested if you attend birth. Welcome to the free country. Yes. So it's confusing because it's state by state. And, and what kind of midwifery training did you have? You had none. I had nurse non-nurse midwifery, direct entry midwife training. But mine was very unique because my program was only for people who were also doing the naturopathic doctor training. Oh, everybody had to do both? Everybody had... Um, you could do just the naturopathic medicine program, which most of my colleagues did. Mm-hmm. A small group of us did additional um, training during that time to be able to attend births as a midwife and get our midwifery license. So we got a certificate in midwifery. It was like a dual program mm-hmm. in addition to the naturopathic program. Was it longer? Yes. Yes, we did. I did 100 births on top of my wow. four-year naturopathic program. So, so by then you had a car. I did, yes. So that was grad school. Yeah, <laughs> after my undergrad, <laughs> I've always been a big cyclist. But um, yes, after I graduated undergrad, I got a car and yeah, drove around a bit. And then for grad school, absolutely needed one. Uh, I can go ask you. I'm so fascinated by you in particular, midwives in general, and we've ended up at some births together. I yeah, believe. handful. And. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching the way you guys work and uh, and approach the relationship with your clients and um, it's just really it's it's just mind blowing like until you see it it's really hard to picture what what goes on there how amazing it is but our episode today is about naturopathic medicine <laughs> so we're going to take a break and when we come back in just a moment we're going to talk about naturopathic medicine with Dr. Molly Jerko <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking about naturopathic medicine with Dr. Molly Jarko, and I have to go right into it, or I'm going to get just get fascinated by all the other things that you're wise about. Um, tell me what it is. What is naturopathic medicine? That's such a great question, because I don't think most people have any clue about what naturopathic medicine is, and it's really uh, an umbrella term. So as naturopathic doctors, we learn a lot of different types of natural health modalities like herbal medicine, homeopathy, uh, nutritional medicine, things like that. And people are like, oh, you must be a homeopath or you must be a nutritionist. And 
we do a little bit of all of that. Uh, the difference that makes us different from any of those individual practitioners or a medical doctor, or an osteopath, someone who's trained to do functional medicine is the philosophy that we use to apply those healing modalities. So there's some guiding naturopathic principles that we use. And, you know, we had a whole year of school studying the philosophy of naturopathic medicine. Just philosophy. Just philosophy. What are in addition the... to anatomy and physiology and all of that. But we had a course a that spanned a oh, whole. Yeah, just to really, that's the roots of our medicine. So the first principle is first do no harm, which all practitioners, you know, this is a guiding principle for them. But for me as a naturopathic doctor, I feel grateful to have a toolbox that has a lot of modalities that are highly effective but low on the side effect or low risk. And most of the people that are seeking me out are wanting that as far as options for treatment, at least to start with. And so I use herbal medicine and nutritional supplements and changes with diet and lifestyle and homeopathy. But I also have the option to use the allopathic medications if I need to. But it's not usually where I start and not usually what people are seeking me out for. So for me, first do no harm is means using our more effective but lower side effect treatments first and then moving up the ladder for stronger stuff if we need it. Allopathic meaning? Allopathic meaning uh, prescriptive medications, surgery things where you're just trying to treat the symptoms more. So under the umbrella of naturopathic medicine, you have all the natural modalities, but also the prescription. You prescribe drugs. If you can. I can. Here in California, I have to be working with a medical doctor to do that. But I have been here now for eight years and have developed some great relationships with people who know me, know my abilities, and support me in being able to prescribe, which is great. So in other states, naturopathic doctors could just prescribe yeah, in as Washington, a primary care. Exactly. In Washington State, where I did my training, we're considered primary care providers. So we have the same prescriptive abilities. And if you pull out your insurance card and you're looking for a primary care doctor, a group of naturopathic doctors will be we'll on that list. Oh, that's mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. But here in California, we're considered out-of-network providers. And so just state by state, uh, the laws are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Are there is there also training on surgical um, procedures? Yeah, I got minor surgery training. So we don't ever do major surgery. And in uh, Washington State, we can do minor surgery. Here in California, we're limited and can't do minor surgery. Uh -huh. So it's it's naturopathic, but it's it's like almost holopathic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's <laughs> really it's very broad. Even within the more natural remedies, you have a lot of tools on that side of your tool belt, and then on the other side, you also have you know drugs and surgery. I think of it as a bridge. I can speak both languages and, you know, there's a place for those medications. And I feel grateful that if my natural treatments aren't working, that I can prescribe an antibiotic if we need that. A lot of times we don't get there, but that I don't have to send them elsewhere if we do mm -hmm. approach that. So yeah, it, they work together. And most of us grew up with that more allopathic model of care. I mean, I certainly did. Uh, and so to be able to speak in the language that most of us know about medicine and healthcare, but to offer some alternatives um, is great because it's it's integrated. That's really integrative care. Right. It almost seems like it would be nice on the other side, like if there was a medical doctor who had, you know, more knowledge and experience in language with the more natural modalities, then there would be like a complete team. 
Yeah, I think more and more of those happening. I mean, I work with Dr. Saraf, so mm-hmm. we we certainly complement each other quite well. He's a medical doctor, but uses a lot of integrative medicine in his pediatric practice, which is why we're a good fit together. So, yeah, I think more more and more medical doctors are, and I mean, the functional medicine world is just exploding right now. It's growing, yeah. Yeah. I think it's still in its infancy. But, I agree. But it's, I, you it, know, it's, it's not perfect, but I applaud more and more medical doctors for, you know, looking outside the box and trying to get to some of those root causes of the, the health issues. How long is, forget about midwifery for just a second, just naturopathic training? So four years minimum, um, and you can extend it to five. And a lot of myself, like I said, I did a dual program, the naturopathic medicine midwifery, and then some of my colleagues did naturopathic medicine and acupuncture at the same time as well, oh. which is can you do all three? quite an endeavor. I don't know anybody who did all three, <laughs> but that that's kind of insanity. That's, that's, well, yeah, and also acupuncture is its whole language. Oh, that's, that's a whole thing in and of itself. All the, the Chinese herbs and the points, and yeah, that's a whole a whole other system, a whole modality. Yeah, it's a lot. To, it's a lot to learn and master. It's hard to master so many things. Yeah, yeah. What are the primary reasons why somebody would seek out a naturopathic doctor versus a medical doctor? What do they come to you specifically? So I think people want, what I hear most often from people is that they feel really heard and they have a space to talk about. And as they're talking, I think people figure things out, but they also have a person asking questions, me asking them questions. And um, even my intake form, which is five pages, people go, wow, I, yeah, I learned some stuff about myself just (laughs) filling out your form, (laughs) which I think is great, helping people start to put some pieces together for themselves. Because it's more holistic in its approach. You're not just looking at the boo-boo on the finger. You're looking at Yeah. So some of our other guiding principles, so first do no harm, and then um, treating the whole person. So people are clearly physical, <laughs> but there's a lot more to us than just the physical illness. So 90, 90 to 95% of people come into my office for a physical issue. But almost always, there's an emotional or mental aspect to what's going on for their health for them. And there's always space in our conversation for that, always, 100% of the time. So, And I feel grateful because I have tools and modalities to help support not just the physical, but the emotional and the mental as well. So that's kind of looking at the whole person because those emotions can sometimes be often affecting the physical as well. They're very much connected. So that and another principle of ours is identifying and treating the root cause. So I'm not looking just to eliminate symptoms, although if somebody's really suffering, of course, that's where we're going to start. We'll get those symptoms to calm down while we're working on the underlying factors. But there's wisdom in the body, which is another part of our principle is that there's a belief in the healing power of nature, which sounds really woo-woo and out there, but in practicality, what that means is that the body is wise and there's wisdom to what the body is doing. And I am a curious person by nature, so there's always this kind of curiosity of what is the body trying to do here? Because naturally the body is trying to move towards health and wellness. And some of the things that we call symptoms that are can be bothersome, like a runny nose or a fever, fever or yeah. swelling, serve a purpose. And it's just about understanding that and knowing whether we need to support that or whether it's time the body has kind of gone askew and we need to suppress intervene. some of that. Yeah. yeah, or intervene. So two things come to mind. One is two kids eat poison. One of them smiling and looks happy. 
and the other one's turning green and about to throw up, right? <laughs> Which one's the healthier kid, right? <laughs> At that moment, the one who recognized that they have poison, the body recognizes that there's poison and is going to reject it, is going to eliminate it by any means possible. That's an expression of health. You wouldn't want to stop that per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the body's going to vomit or get diarrhea to discharge that, something that's not good for the body. So those symptoms, even though they're uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. it's the body doing what it does to heal itself. So I think in all of the holistic modalities, there's an underlying principle that the body is a self-healing organism. Uh, I remember in chiropractic school, they used to say, you know, if you get a cut and you put neosporin in a Band-Aid, it's not the neosporin and the band-aid that heal the cut. Because even if you don't put neosporin in a band-aid, the cut will heal. But if you go into the cadaver lab and cut a cadaver finger and put on neosporin in a band-aid, it doesn't heal. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's the body is a self-healing organism. Sometimes it loses its its ability to figure out what's going on and to send the appropriate relief. Sometimes it's it's there's just not enough time. Something spreads so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, if you fall and you know if you puncture your lung on a spoke, it's not the right time to take you know arnica. Yeah, yeah. I may take it while I'm you know on the way. On the but way. Yeah, that's not going to be the uh, only thing. That's I'm doing. not your, the end of your medical care at that moment. And that's what it's helping people identify. There may be some obstacles to healing, and what are those obstacles? There may be a food sensitivity. There may be a smoldering infection in the gut or something like that. There might be a lot of stress that's going on, emotional or physical, that are preventing the body from being able to heal itself. And that's where that investigative work. And that's what I love, being a curious person, that each person is so unique. And that's what makes it really fun because I don't do cookbook medicine. And I think that's my partial critique of some of the functional medicine is that everybody gets the same exact testing and then often they're treating lab values rather than treating people. Mm-hmm. That's and, a really powerful point. And I I treat people. I work with people. I support people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's and I you're don't do curious, the same and you're patient, and you're you know you have you have what it takes to give each person the blank canvas when they come in and let the story build itself. Like who are you? What's going on? Where are the issues? Um, and as a holistic practitioner, I think because allopathic medicine in general is becoming more and more and more specialized. You used to just have a doctor come over with a black bag and there was probably like two things in that little black bag, mm-hmm. maybe like, um, you know, a thermometer. A stethoscope. Uh, a stethoscope and some aspirin, like, so at least if you're going to die, you'll be more comfortable. I don't know what they really did, but <laughs> it's come to, instead of them coming to us, we go to them and, and when you go to the doctor, it's it's just so specialized. Now there's orthopedics and there's the lung doctor and the heart doctor and, this, and even within orthopedics, there's like not just the whole orthopedic doctor, it's like I do, you know, elbow down and mm-hmm. there's a pinky guy, <laughs> you know, who just does <laughs> pinkies all day. And it's just on the complete opposite of holistic because holistic, every single time you walk in, we're looking at you as a whole being. Um, And to that end, I remember reading somewhere, they said, uh, when you step on a dog's tail, they bark. So the symptoms coming up all the way over here, but the source of it is down there. If you're going to treat the vocal cords, Mm -hmm. you're going to miss the primary source and the dog will still be in pain. And so I love that approach that when somebody comes into you, not only do you have all these tools in your tool belt, but you're so holistic and investigative in your approach. No two people are the same. Yeah, I've had a lot of women call me their kind of medical home base here in L.A. because 
this is a city of specialists. So they've got their ENT, they've got their GI doctor, they've got their OBGYN, but they don't really have anybody oh, who's yeah, general overseeing contractor. every, <laughs> yeah, who's coordinating who's all this. Coordinating, We're like, right? okay, let's look at what was done with this person, this person, and this person, and step back, zoom out, and keep this in the context of the whole person versus right. just, yeah. Because you're trained in both sets of modalities. So when you're looking at lab reports or x-rays or whatever imaging you have, um, you're you're in you're in both worlds. Like it makes sense to you. Yeah, I can order imaging, and I can I draw blood in my office, and I do Pap smears. I do all of that stuff as well. So I use the standard tools for assessment, in addition to you know listening a lot, which is get a lot of good information from listening to people and asking the right questions. But um, absolutely. So when I see results from other practitioners, then I can use my naturopathic eye with them and, again, put that piece in the whole puzzle of this person as we're kind of trying to figure out what's what's really going on and what needs to be healed. That's really cool. Who doesn't want that? I, I love it. It's Are fun. There, and I, mean, <laughs> I don't come across that many naturopaths. Are there... There, a lot of you, or we're a small group. I think in the whole country there might be three to four thousand. Wow! The school I went to last year up in Seattle now has a campus down in San Diego. So more and more naturopathic doctors are growing here in California, but we're still a small group. <laughs> Do you know the history of when it started? It's kind of there was nature cure and naturopathic medicine. I think oh, and this is history has not never been my <laughs> strength, so don't don't ask too many questions. I'm just but curious how long I'm it's pretty, been around because I, like chiropractic was eighteen ninety five and osteopathic was somewhere around then as well. Yeah, I feel like the naturopathic school, the first naturopathic school, might have opened up in the fifties, but nineteen fifties. Don't, don't quote me on that. But there was a long history of nature cure where kind of our roots of naturopathic medicine came well, well before together. that. Yeah. Um, and you came to naturopathic because you were looking for midwifery? Or did you I, know about naturopathy? I had a naturopathic doctor who taught my anatomy class mm. in undergrad. And so I knew about it, and she kind of introduced to me. I was like, this is really cool. There's this pathway of biochemistry, and you can affect that with these different natural therapeutics to shift it to a less inflammatory. Like, I just geek out on that sort of stuff. I'm a total nerd. So... I really wanted that information. I wanted to know, you know, all of that. So I knew about it, but then I really thought I just wanted to be a midwife. And I don't know, I could, when I decided to do nurse midwifery program, kind of signed up for that, and I was like, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like I was going to get enough depth about all the other sciences that I wanted. And so that's what kind of brought me back to doing the naturopathic medicine program so I could get all of that plus midwifery. And even when I graduated, I, you know, I moved down here and joined a midwifery practice, very busy, and it was 80% of my practice was attending births as a midwife mm -hmm. for years, many years. And then it started to transition a bit, and then now I don't attend births at all anymore. But Do so, you miss it? Yes and no. Okay. I, I felt really complete when I decided to, to, be, to be done. Yeah. And there's times, like one of my repeat clients just had a baby recently, and she was texting me in labor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's like, if you're anywhere near me, you're welcome <laughs> to come out. You can come to any of my births, <laughs> which is really sweet. So, yeah, I, I do miss it sometimes. But I get to work with them, and I, you know, I saw her. I do pediatrics with Dr. Ed now. So mm -hmm. now I get to see those kids for 18-plus years and do all their physicals and see them when they're sick. And so I still get that relationship, which is what really drove me, like, 
the desire to become a midwife and to be a licensed midwife and do home birth was the relationship that you develop, which is so special mm-hmm. over time. So I still get that, and I get to see these kids for years and years now, yeah. which is great. Um, do you work on the whole family? I do. I don't see a whole lot of men, although I do see the partners of some of the women that I work with. So I have two practices. My Santa Monica office is mostly women's health, although I do see a few kids over there who um, already have a pediatrician and they just want a holistic kind of adjunct pediatric care. I don't do primary care pediatrics in that office because it's just me and I'm only there two days a week. I don't do any after-hour stuff in that practice. And then with Dr. Ed, I'm there three days a week. And so we do primary care pediatrics, so people who are looking for a full pediatric practice, um, they can see me over there with him. So where do you see, you see adult, mostly women? Mostly women, yep, in my Santa Monica office. Okay. Yeah, and once in a while people go, can you see my husband? I I just, I mean, some things are universal, like fatigue or digestive issues, Um, but as far as men's health and men's hormones, I just don't have enough that just hasn't been it's the focus your, of my yeah. <laughs> practice. Expertise. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and those things as men start aging do come into more of the focus. I and get I, that off to my office all the time. I just don't I just don't have the experience. So I'm like, I want to send you somewhere where they can address the all pieces versus, you know, if, if we need that. But, you know, I've, I've certainly helped some of the women in my practice, their husbands with, yeah, food allergies, food sensitivities, asthma, digestive stuff, things like that where, yeah, man, woman, child, right. <laughs> similar things. Uh, but it seems like almost most things would be the same except for the exception that are specifically men's health. Or yeah. am I making that up? No, I think just focusing on women, there's enough to women's health. You know, there's pros and cons to being a general practice doctor. There's a lot to stay up on. And not just if you're, sometimes I'm like, wow, being an MD where you just just prescribe a lot of medications, it it seems kind of simple on some level because um, versus you know, all the different modalities that I bring into play and staying up on. They change over time. It changes a lot. And so that's where I think I've just kind of chosen, okay, <laughs> women's health head to toe is, is enough. Even just gynecology is a is lot enough. to stay up on. Yeah. Well, there's and that pinky guy. Who yeah, exactly. Pinkies, He's like, so. I'm just doing pinkies, guys. That's I know the there's a lot of, of other he, Nobody knows a pinky like that guy. <laughs> totally. And then pediatrics. Will you see my husband for his thumb? No, I'm just going <laughs> to. Sorry, <laughs> I only do pinkies. <laughs> and then doing pediatrics, you know, that's a whole endless lifetime of learning in that realm, and especially not just primary care allopathic pediatrics, but then all the different layers of natural medicine for pediatrics, because kids are not just small adults. They're their own little beings, so they're different. Are there, I, I would imagine, because I think usually when things come up during pregnancy, um, symptoms or other things that come up during pregnancy, often what women hear is... Uh, Sorry, there's nothing you can do about it because you can't take these drugs while you're pregnant. But you have so mm-hmm. many more modalities at your disposal. So it almost seems like during pregnancy, you'd be the person somebody really wants to see outside of your midwifery training just from the naturopathic. Yeah, I see a lot of people for – I see people, women for um, general kind of adjunct holistic prenatal care. They've got their OB or their midwife, and they're either getting short visits or they're not getting a lot of that kind of supplemental care about nutrition and supplements, things like that. And then I see people for specific health issues. Like I saw somebody recently for bad allergies. And, you know, she's like, I just don't want to take Claritin. I know, you know, that it's theoretically safe in pregnancy, but I just don't want to go that route. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we worked on that. And she got great improvement, which is awesome, without, without having to take Claritin. Oh. <laughs> so 
super happy about that. Yeah. So things like that, specific things. And yeah, when people get sick, what can they take other than, you know, Tylenol or cold medicines and things like that? Things that are more in the little more natural realm that are safe in pregnancy and then also in breastfeeding. Yeah, that's the yeah. Was my follow up question. Yeah. yeah, so I work with a lot of mamas in that first year postpartum, and I really believe the fourth trimester is the whole year. Oh, really? That is a huge year for women, and sadly, most women they see their OB or their midwife at six weeks postpartum, and then they may not see anybody for a year. Mm-hmm. And that is a long time to go during a very significant year. So I'm a huge proponent of care during that fourth trimester with somebody, just check in with somebody because uh, I see a ton of ladies who get really fatigued between four and seven months. And then I see a lot of moms at two to three years postpartum who are like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't know. I haven't even thought about myself in two to three Mm -hmm. years since this beautiful child has been born and has taken center stage. So um, having those regular little check-ins from a wellness perspective really help keep women grounded and prevent them uh, from getting too depleted. Dr. Ed, because my wife does the mental health side of things, and um, I know that Dr. Ed's got his finger on the pulse with, with that as well. And so... Like you said, oftentimes a new mom won't see any doctor for mm-hmm. outside of that six-week checkup. First of all, until six weeks, <laughs> yeah. and then outside of that six-week checkup for quite some time. Um, so he's always got the finger on the pulse, not just of the baby, but also of the parents. And Absolutely. And he often makes a referral and says, why don't you go just have a chat? <laughs> well, because they're still, I mean, that first year, mom's babies are still connected. The umbilical cord has long been cut. If there's connection, there's I'm safe, there's still, yeah, you know, there's Bluetooth. <laughs> if they're breastfeeding, but even if they're not breastfeeding, there's still, there's such a connection there. And so babies really feed off of the energy of their parents. Mm-hmm. And so if moms or dads, partners are getting frazzled um, or anxious or depressed or depleted, then, you know, that affects the energy of the whole family. I learned so much today from you. I always learn from you whenever I'm around you, and and it's been too long. Uh, And I know our audience is going to learn a lot from you, and they're going to start typing away, where can we find a naturopath? Is there a listing of, like, naturopathic doctors around the country? Yes, there is. So our national association is called the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And then here in California, there's the California Naturopathic Doctors Association. And most states have a naturopathic doctor association of some sort. Are they licensed in every state? No, I think we're up to about 25 oh, wow. states right now. So if you're thinking yeah, about so moving, it's, it's, you got to check. I know, i got to think about that. Uh, and specifically, <laughs> where can we find you online? So my website is sage, S-A-G-E, naturalmedicine.com. That's my uh, Santa Monica office. And then holisticpediatrician.com is my practice with Dr. Edmund Seroff. Amazing. Dr. Molly, thank you so much for thank joining you. me and educating me you. again. And at home, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you like the program, share us with your friends and leave some feedback in your podcast app. And for more pregnancy and parenting-related media, visit informedpregnancy.com. Thank you.